Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. And now, and now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You got your ass, baby. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow. Now is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, news-making interviews with your favorite rock and metal artists. Hope you are doing well, and I thank you for listening as usual. And as I tell you all the time, if you are listening to this podcast and you are in the U.S. or Canada, well, you are only getting a tiny taste of what I do on a regular basis on the radio. Why? Because everything you hear on this podcast originate or originated on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and is live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, on Faction Talk Sirius XM Channel 103. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada, be sure to come on board and join me for the daily radio show live and get involved in the show, and you'll get the total picture of what's going on. Here on the podcast, a tiny little taste as we cherry-pick an interview to, or two to bring you each and every week from a few weeks ago that aired originally on the radio. So with that in mind, we have two great ones for you this week. And first up, we'll get to Vivian Campbell, guitarist of Def Leppard. Uh, he is currently out there now on the stadium tour, which is just about to wrap up, actually, the long-awaited, long-delayed stadium tour. Vivian and the rest of Def Leppard, of course, co-headlining that with Motley Crue. And with that getting ready to wrap, we'll talk to Vivian. And this interview took place actually just prior to that tour resuming for its second leg. So you'll get a little uh, little talk with Vivian Campbell here in the first segment and another interview for you with a legendary guitarist coming up second. That is Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top, who called in to talk about their upcoming tour dates, as well as some shows with Jeff Beck. So two great guitar players, two legendary guitar players, Vivian Campbell, who also touches on some Dio stuff in the interview you're about to hear, and second, Billy Gibbons, enough said on Billy, of course, a total icon from ZZ Top. You'll hear them both here on the Eddie Trunk podcast this week. 
And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything with new episodes again posting every Thursday. And be sure to follow on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook page. We'll start with Vivian talking some Def Leppard. And of course, Vivian was really calling in to talk about Last in Line, which is a band he has on the side of Def Leppard that recently released a Beatles cover. So we cover a lot of ground with Vivian. We'll get to him first and right now on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Viv, how are you, man? I'm just splendid, Eddie. Thanks. How are you doing? Doing do, uh, doing good. So um, how do you feel about the first run of the long-awaited stadium tour? How was it for you? Hey, it's been fantastic. Other than getting rained on every single night, pretty much, I think the first nine shows straight, we had rain. Uh, so, um, and I mean like heavy, heavy rain, you know, um, but yeah, it, it's been, it's been brilliant. The crowds have been fantastic. You know, it's been great to work with Motley and Poison and Joan Jett. Everyone's been getting along good and behaving nicely. So yeah. Lovely. You, of course, of course, Leopard are no strangers to playing stadiums around the world and have been for, for many, many years and decades. How is this differed than some of the other shows at this level that you've done with Leopard over the years in your time in the band? Well, it's kind of like a little mini festival, you know? I mean, Jones on first, then Poison, then, um, you know, with Leopard and Motley, we sort of flip-flop depending on what night it is. But um, it's it's an interesting concept, you know? It's been very, very successful. I think people are just, you know, thankful to get out after a couple of years of being locked up with COVID and, you know, it's, it's just great to see people back out appreciating live music again. And it, it's wonderful. And I've been saying this for many, many years and I'll continue to say it, is that our audience is changing. You know, our, there's a large, large percentage are young enough to be our kids. And, and that's very, very encouraging to see when you get that kind of youthful energy coming to the shows. So, you know, it's, it's just been fantastic for everyone. And, and all the bands are playing great. Everyone's singing great. Everyone's staying healthy. You know, what's not the like? And Leopard is the only band on the whole bill. And I actually had Brett on on, on Monday. Uh, so we've covered a, a, a few different bands from this tour so far. But uh, Leopard is the only band on this tour that has new music. You've got a new record in Diamond Star Halos, which is out there. And you are playing some of it live. How has that been to showcase the new music to this audience, which is uh, clearly, obviously, more of the the retro vibe. Are they embracing the new songs? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the one thing about the new music, though, is that for the most part, it does seamlessly fit in there with the, the classic rock. So, um, you know, it just has a lot of that natural Def Leppard vibe and sound to it. So it was pretty easy to put it in. In particular, you know, the opening song is um, one of Sav's songs. It's called Take What You Want. And it's just a barnstormer of a song. I mean, it's a great intro to the show. It's also the intro song for the album. It's the first song on the record. So, yeah. um, you know, I think people are probably nodding along with the, the first chorus of that before they even realize that it's a, a new song, you know. Um, and it's been good. I mean, I, I do think, you know, we took a pretty bold stand at the start of the tour and we decided to go out and play a bunch of new songs in the show, which isn't something, as you said, that a lot of bands from our generation do anymore. But we're encouraged by our belief in the record and by our record company's belief in the record and, and the response that it's gotten. You know, so we thought it, it was 
the appropriate thing to to actually go out there and show that we have that much faith in it by actually playing so many of the new songs live. And you know, we we've altered our set a little bit as we've gone. We've tweaked it here and there to make it better. But um, you know, we're still out there representing the new songs. And we, as I'm sure I've said to you before, and I know Joe said to you many times, is you know, it's important for us creatively to keep exercising that muscle. You know, to keep writing and recording and producing new music and and to to show that we believe in it, you know, to go out there and represent it and not just have it be an excuse for a tour, you know, but actually to, to have it be part of the show and part of the tour. And you guys were pretty low key. I mean, I haven't had a chance. I mean, we've, I saw you, I saw you at the whiskey for the launch of the record and all of that, but I've not had a chance to talk to you on the air about the, about diamond star halo since it's been out, but it was. It came as a bit of surprise of, of a surprise to most fans, including myself, that you guys were even working on on new music. And I know it's been covered to some degree, but I mean, much of the record was done in in lockdown, right? I mean, everybody in different places sending in tracks. Did you like working that way versus being in a studio face to face? In the end, yes, <laughs> I got there. Initially, it was a bit of a panic. I got to say, because um, you know it we pretty much started working on the record as soon as the 2020 tour was postponed, you know? So like every, everyone else in the world, you know, March, April of 2020, the world shuts down and it's like, okay, you know, all your plans are, are put on ice. Um, and Joe, you know, he emailed us all and he said, you know, we should use this time. I got some songs. Let's start doing a record. We don't know how long we're going to be down for. So let's just, you know, do this and, and see how it goes. So we, in a way, we were sort of prepared to work alone because the way that Leopard works in the studio was pretty unique anyway. I mean, we, we don't normally cut tracks live in the studio. We pretty much work through a click track and, you know, put drums on last sort of thing or, or change it as we go. And, you know, each guy does their own part individually. So, you know, in, in a way, we were sort of more adept at, at doing a record this way remotely. For me, it was a very steep learning curve, though, because I am a total Luddite with technology. I just <laughs> did not get on so well with it. So so I had to, you know, make a lot of calls and ask a lot of grown-up friends, you know, how does this work? How do I do that? And, you know, to get some new hardware, some new software. But eventually I got there. And so, you know, for a big part of this record, I just felt I was playing catch-up, you know, that ideas were coming in thick and fast. And I was just learning how to just record and get in there. And I started initially just doing a bunch of vocals, which were the easier part. It was easier for me to get uh, a mic signal into the box rather than try and get into guitar parts. But once I got comfortable with that for several weeks and I started getting into the guitar parts and eventually got that to where it was a workable situation. Um, the big advantage of, of working that way though, is you don't have people looking over your shoulder. You're not working on the clock. Nobody knew we were making a record. There was no schedule, no agenda, no timeline, you know, and, and especially as regards guitar solos, you know, I do a solo and I just walk away from it for, a couple hours or even a couple of days and I'd come back to it and I'd listen to it. And then I could hear it with fresh ears, you know, and I could hear parts that were good and parts that weren't as good. So it allowed me that opportunity to, to have more perspective on what it was I was doing and, and to correct things and, and do it at my own pace. So, so ultimately it is a good way, but I, I don't think it's a way that many bands could really work. But for, for us and given our experience in the studio and how we make records, it actually, it, it was a plus. Well, and actually, for people that don't know, everybody in the band is kind of spread out. Phil 
uh, Joe's in Ireland and Sav's in England, and you're on the east coast of the U.S. now. And and I know uh, Rick Allen's in, in the L.A. area still, and Phil's in L.A. So with all the different time zones and people spread out, to be able to work in your own comfort zone in terms of time of day and at your own pace and be able to send the stuff into Ronan and have him put it all together, I would imagine is pretty convenient. But just as a rock fan to me, and I get that that's kind of has to be out of necessity, especially during a pandemic, but as a rock fan to me, and I'm not a musician, but I would think nothing replaces the idea of looking across the room at the other guys and sitting there plugged into buzzing amps and just going for it in a live studio. I mean, do you feel that way also? Oh, yeah. Totally, and, and that's why I have Last in Line. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 and it's a completely different thing. I mean, with Last in Line, that's how we cut tracks. It's the old school way that we did back with the original Dio band. You know, you, you go into the room and you all literally make eye contact with each other. And, and you know, there's a, there's a real sort of energy there. There's a push-pull sort of dynamic that you don't necessarily get by working in a more sterile, you know, one-on-one way. Um but it's, you know, it's horses for courses, as they say, you know, what works for one band might not work for another. Um, that just happens to be the last in line way. I couldn't imagine us ever recording an album the way that Def Leppard records an album. And, you know, at the same time, I could never imagine Def Leppard recording an album the way Last in Line does. But they're they're two totally different things. And I just happen to be fortunate enough to exercise both muscles, you know, so it's been great yeah. for me. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I want to talk about Last in Line here in a second, but one other thing on Leopard as we kind of close that out. Obviously, the next leg of the stadium tour starts this weekend, and then you guys are out there for another month or so doing that. And then what's the plan for Leopard going forward? Because you still have this new record that I'm sure you want to promote around the world. So are you going to go off and do your own dates? And what's what's the projection for the next year or two for Leopard? Pretty active as far as playing live? Um, there's been a lot of interest in the stadium tour with us and Motley, and there's a lot of talk about taking that overseas next year, going global with that. Um, so we'll see. I mean, that would be exciting to do that. You know, we haven't played overseas in, in many years, obviously. And, um, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> Hopefully the so, grown-ups can put that together. So to, to continue doing this co-headline with Motley is, is is and to take it because that's the other thing about Motley nobody really knows and I asked Nikki this and he wasn't even really sure of what Motley is meaning like did Motley who were famously retired did they get back together just to do this with you guys or are they going to continue after this as a functioning touring band that's going to be out there and and i don't know if we really have that answer but it sounds like everyone's saying yeah it would be nice to do another run with you guys and then and to do it in europe or wherever you plan on doing it well i, I don't want to speak for nikki but if i were a gambling man i'd be putting money on it <laughs> you know what i mean yeah um i think that they're having a lot of fun as are we and and the package works you know so it's a big world you want to go out there and play it so i, I would guess it's probably going to happen all right, so there's the there's the leopard update, if you will, and then shifting gears, you mentioned your other band, which I love, uh, Last in Line, which is with Vinny Apice, your your other Dio bandmate there, and uh, Phil Susan, of course, and the ex- incredible Andrew Freeman singing, and you have released new music and uh, interesting, a cover of the Beatles, A Day in the Life. When did you get around to recording this, and is this EP coming going to be all covers or 
is just this lead track a Beatles cover? Well, again, going back to spring of 2020 when everything shut down, um, we, we had talked about doing a cover song prior to that, and we'd already started cutting the first six tracks for uh, what will be the third album, which will come out early next year. Um, but we wanted to keep the ball moving. We wanted to do something. It's funny, I was just telling you five minutes ago about how Last in Line always cuts tracks live and we look at each other in the studio while we do it and we have that that push-pull dynamic going on. Well, uh, Day in the Life is the one exception to that. That's the one song that we didn't do that way. We we kind of did it the Def Leppard way by building on a track and, and reverse engineering it. Um, that was just out of necessity because this was, like I say, March, April, May of 2020 and we, we couldn't travel, we couldn't be together. So uh, we basically built up the track that way and did it remotely and that was an interesting thing for us because like I said that's never anything that we've done before or indeed since uh, to answer your question as to what else is on the EP it's the cover of Dan Life it's a new song from the album called Hurricane Orla and it's two live tracks uh, one uh, of a song from the first album Heavy Crown and another from the second album so it's a four track EP with just the one cover on it and that comes out in November, right? You would know more than I would, Eddie. I'm looking at your site, <laughs> which is lastinlineofficial.com, and it says the uh, – well, I'll let you know, Viv. It's coming – the EP is coming out on November 12th, and it'll also come out as a limited edition vinyl disc as well for those four All songs. Right. So there you go. And there's a That's video cool. for the song out there right now. And uh, tackling a Beatles song, I mean, what's the approach? First of all, were you a big Beatles fan? Most people were, but maybe, I mean, where did the Beatles oh. land for you as a kid growing up in Ireland? And talk about your approach to digging into this particular song from them. Oh, the Beatles were, were huge for all of us. Um, first song I ever actually learned how to play on guitar was, was She Loves You. I remember working at the chords and uh when I was a kid on holiday one summer and I was well chuffed with myself because I'd actually figured that out. Um, it was a pretty ambitious song to take on. To be honest, I don't know how we really ended up on that one. We were discussing what would be an appropriate and interesting cover for us to do. We didn't want to do something from the genre. So it wasn't like we were going to try and do an ACDC song or something from the hard rock world. You know, we decided we wanted to tackle something that would be a little left field um i gotta say probably it was phil phil susan who came up with the idea for uh day in the life but we were you know certainly not in need of coaxing because like i said we're all massive massive beatles fans and and it is such an ambitious song to take on you know with time changes and key changes and whatnot uh, especially to do it in the way that we had to do it in this remote sort of fashion but it was good in uh, as, as much as it actually gave us some impetus to do something and to keep moving forward. Cause like I said, this was spring of 2020 and all of a sudden all plans were on hold, you know? So it was, it was, it was a good thing for us to keep inching the band forward and keep making that, that progression. So when this EP comes out, there's going to be one song that will be on the next full length record. You had mentioned you're about six songs in on that. So the next full-length Last in Line album, it sounds like, will be sometime next year? Correct. Early next year. Yeah, this is our first record for 
Ear Music, the German label. Uh, we're excited to work with them. It's been a great relationship so far. So, uh, you know, obviously we wanted the record out a lot sooner. We originally cut the first half dozen tracks in January of 2020 out in L.A. Um, and then, like I said, many times everything just went on hold. So uh, it was only in February of this year that we were finally able to get together again live in the studio to cut uh, the remaining half dozen backing tracks. And then we worked on those, got them finished up and record companies needing a long lead time for vinyl, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's pushed us into early next year for a release, but I would guess February of next year. Yeah. And you know, Viv, I was here. I'm curious about this because I give you a lot of credit for hanging in there with last in line and doing this because there are so many artists who are in major bands like you being in Def Leppard and, touring at the highest level and have bands on the side that they don't stick with because they just can't change gears and go from playing to a stadium to a club for a few hundred people and traveling in a van and going on at a 1130 at night. You have the option to not do that because your main band is Def Leppard, but you've hung in there with this a lot longer than a lot of other people would have. I was just talking to Geezer Butler. You know, he had a band called Deadland yeah. Ritual and I said to Geezer, I said, you know, what happened? He goes, I'm not bloody going out and playing clubs. You know, he, he just didn't want to do it anymore. So, so you, what, what is it that you get from Last in Line overall that makes you want to keep doing this? And I love that you do because I love the band, but you clearly don't have to. But what is it that you get out of the band so much? There, there's a lot that I get out of it. I mean, you know, there's the the satisfaction of playing with a band like that. It's a very, very different band from Def Leppard. You know, I mean, Leppard is just an amazing band. Our vocals are off the chart good. You know, we work at that really, really hard. Um, our show is super slick and produced. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot about Def Leppard that's unique and can't be replicated in any other band. And then Last in Line is just like the total opposite for me. You know, it's, it's a band, like I said, that cuts tracks live in the studio you know, when we play together, regardless of the size of a stage that we're on, we all set up uh, kind of much like Led Zeppelin did. If you look at old footage of Zeppelin, you know, they're all like within six or eight feet of each other. You know, there's that um, a sort of a, a, a oneness to the band, you know, that, that's like, a, a, again, this push-pull sort of energy when you play live. You know, when we do shows with Last in Line, we frequently go off the rails and start jamming at the end of songs and stuff. I mean, that's just not the kind of thing you do with Def Leppard. So for me as a musician, as a guitarist, it's a different thing. And, and specifically as a guitarist, because I really get to, to, to spread my wings as a, as a player in Last in Line. It allows me to do things that are spontaneous. Um, it definitely has made me a much, much better player when I come back to Def Leppard after being with Last in Line. <clears throat> I know my playing's at the top of the game. So, you know, it's it's difficult, yeah, to go out and, you know, travel the way we travel and eat cheese sandwiches every day and get no sleep. And, you know, it's it's not glamorous, but it, it's, it is very, very rewarding in, in very different ways. And, and like I said, I, I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to have both these experiences and, and see both sides of the equation. You know, it also makes me very, very appreciative for what we have with Def Leppard you know, and the success that, that the band's attained and, and continues to, to, to gather. So it's, you know, we don't take it for granted. And um, 
Yeah, I, I just can't imagine not doing either, to be honest, you know, and, and you are what you do in life. You know, it's like whatever you get up in the morning, you put your shoes on, and you go out and you do whatever it is you do. And and that's what defines you. And all I ever wanted to be was a guitar player and a rock band. So I'm fortunate enough to be in two incredible bands at the same time. And you've really, with Last in Line, which when it started out really as a band made to play the first two Dio records, which of course, when it started, when, when Jimmy was still with us, it was mm -hmm. the three members that made those records of the band. So it started as that, and what it's evolved into, I think, is also really cool because it's now pretty much split. And last time I saw you play live, I think it was at Vamped in, in Vegas, maybe, and I thought the balance of the set was perfect, where you now have four or five songs from the Last in Line records that are originals that I think are really good and staples of the set, and then spiking in, like every other song, a Dio classic. I think that the balance of what you guys are delivering now is is perfect in terms of what fans would want to see and i think it's really cool that you've evolved into that thanks yeah i mean that's what we've sort of been aiming to do um we've started off yeah playing songs from holy diver last in line from which we took our name and and even sacred heart the third deal album um after a while we stopped playing the sacred heart songs <laughs> for for various reasons we all have i mean those of us who were there have kind of painful memories about that record, but uh, that's not to say it was a bad record, but um, we we ended up just pretty much playing songs from Holy Diver and Last in Line. And then, you know, we never intended it to be an original music band, but after a couple of years, we got offered a, a label deal with Frontiers. And, you know, we, we did our first album, Heavy Crying, with Jeff Pilsen producing, and we were very proud of that record. You know the history, Jimmy passed away a month before the album came out, and you know, we pushed on with Phil Suzanne and the band and yeah, it just kind of, it's grown and developed and, and it's, it's been, um, you know, very pleasurable to be part of that. And then part of the growth of the band, you know, it's a musical unit. We really kind of, you know, stayed somewhat true to that original Dio ethos and how we write and how we record and, and how the overall sound of the band is. But at the same time, it kind of, you know, is pushing different boundaries and, you know, with, with Andrew and his whole approach to singing and, and his whole lyrical approach. And I think, you know, Phil musically come in as a band has really pushed another dimension for us as well. So, yeah, it's a very exciting band. I mean, I got to say, whether we're playing live or, or writing, recording in the studio, it's, it's a pleasure to play with those guys. How do you feel about Andrew, your singer in Last in Line, joining Great White? <laughs> He's an asshole. <laughs> uh, he, he knows that I know he's an asshole. Um, no, Andy is Andy's much in demand, you know. So you know he's always kind of floated around between this, that, and the other, you know, filling in gaps. I, I do feel bad because you know the guys in Last in Line have had to wait for me a lot when I'm off running around doing stuff with Def Leppard, and you know, um, so I, I fully get that that everyone else has to kind of go out and do their own projects and stuff, you know. But I, I'd like to think that Andrew's on loan to Great White while we're waiting. You know, it's kind of like a like a soccer player goes on loan to another club. He's still under contract. The last in line. So, and you've got last in line dates coming up. So you have a window in your leopard schedule where you're going to be able to play some shows. I'm looking now at the website. Looks like September 23rd. There's a a, a clump of dates, and then some dates in October, November. Some some dates scattered around a little bit. So you do have some. Yeah. You are going to be able to make some time to go out and play with the guys, right? 
Yeah, uh, so uh, we, the weekend after the Leopard Tour finishes, um, I have another rally. I really get into rally driving over over the. Long I was going to ask you about uh, that. You're really into it, racing now, right? Yeah. So so literally, the I get home on a Sunday night, and by that Wednesday, I'm leaving to go to a rally. Uh, so I have two more national rallies in October and November this year. But the weekend after the rally, I'm back to doing those shows, like you said, November or sorry, September 23rd, 24th, something like that. Yeah, we have a bunch of dates that were already on the calendar, so we're going to honor those. Uh, and then we booked a bunch more, a couple of weeks worth, sometime in November, I believe. And yeah, so keeping it going, you know, no rest for the wicked and all that. What are these cars that you drive? What like I'm not into racing, but what? How, how would you describe oh, it? Like what type of car is it? A gravel rally, like forest rally. You know, you do basically logging roads. You know, so you're driving on gravel, loose surface kind of stuff. The car gets all sort of sideways and fun. It's all great fun until you hit a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or you break a finger and you're a guitar player. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I've had a couple of massive, massive rollover crashes in my short rally career. And and it's amazing how you, when you look at the car and the car is totaled. The last one I did total the car back in April, uh, and you get out of it and I literally don't have a scratch. I mean, it's, it's quite unbelievable. You know the safety that's engineered into these cars. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's cool. I, 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 is there video online of anything or of you doing that? I'd like to see you do that. <laughs> I, I have video <laughs> of my last big crash when I totaled the car. But I'm not going to show you that. <laughs> all right well i'll t I, as long as you're safe if that's the most well, important I, I, thing I am safe. i'll show you the video next time i see you i have it on my phone my right. camera stuff but but i'm not making it public <laughs> all right sounds like a plan all right couple quick things and i promise i'll let you go um i wanted to ask you about your health first and foremost how you doing that's nothing more important than that how, uh, how how's know, things going just kicking the can down the road you know so um, yeah, take it as it comes, you know, it's, is it, uh, is this the type of thing that you're always going to just have to manage uh, exactly, or is it something yeah, that they, yeah. they're going to be able to knock out completely at some point? There's very, very few cancer doctors in the world who will ever say that you're cured. You know, the best you hope for is remission. So, um, that's not to say that cure isn't possible, but you know, it's, I'm, pretty much of the mindset that, you know, I'll deal with this for the rest of my life, but you know, it is what it is. Kind of like going well, to the dentist, just a bit more well, involved. What's involved in your treatments? Because there were times when you first were diagnosed with cancer where you were, you would admit some leopard shows because you had to go back to a certain city and get treatments. Where are you at with that now? Yeah, nothing so, um, so invasive or intrusive, you know, nothing that's going to sideline me, I hope, you know, so. Uh, it's always the hardest part of the whole thing for me is, is trying to schedule treatments that don't interfere with my work. That becomes even more difficult when there's more than one band involved. But, you know, we make it work. So uh, I hope never to have to miss another Def Leppard show. Well, we hope so, too, man, because there's nothing more important than keeping you healthy. So. I'm glad you're here. That you, I'm glad you're able to uh, manage it as best you can and uh, and have a handle on it. Okay, and then I got to ask you about this, and I don't know if you've heard this yet. Speaking of Dio and your records you made as a member of Dio, have you heard the new remix of Holy Diver? I have not, and and I find it a little bit unsettling that I, I ended up uh, being talked into doing an interview a couple of months ago about it, you know, and not having heard the record. 
Uh, and I got to say, I haven't heard good reports. So <laughs> that was a little weird. You know, I said, well, hang on. I just spoke to some journalists at length about this, but I haven't actually even heard the product. Um, I've heard that they've put out like, uh, you know, outtakes of, of tracks from Holy Diver and solos that, that didn't make the cut, you know, and it's, I'm wondering like why, you know, there's a reason why stuff didn't make a record in the first place. You know, you don't, it doesn't make well, a lot of sense to me to be putting it out there. Well, there's a bonus, see a bonus disc and there's a live thing. It's a whole box set, but the thing, uh-huh. the thing about the remix of Holy Diver and you can hear it online or on the streaming services, but Joe Barisi, the guy who re- who remixed it, uh, I did a big special for the re-release of it. Vinny was there. We did a whole thing at the Rainbow. And uh, Joe Barisi, one of the top mix engineers out there, he did the remix. And he was a huge fan of the record. And he mm-hmm. was at the broadcast that I did. And we talked about it. And he said, you know, my biggest concern was I didn't want to fuck it up because it's pretty much flawless as it is. What Angelo did initially is still so great and holds up. He said, all I really wanted to do was hear a little bit more of Vivian. So I said, Viv's probably going to love this then. So that's why I was curious if you heard it, because as a mix guy, he said he wanted to give, you know, goose you up a little bit more in the mix. Well, I don't know. Like I say, I've yet to hear it. So that's interesting. And the other really interesting thing he did, which is a fan I loved, is like at the Holy Diver ends cold now, where it's like instead of fading, he let it go all the way to the end. And you guys do this big finish and and uh vinny said that was the the way the song originally was and like on invisible instead of fading there's this huge jam so he let he let the tape and the the it ride right out to a cold end instead of pulling it down so you do hear more playing which i thought was really cool yeah yeah again um now you got me excited i need to hear this i'll make sure you get a copy (laughs) (laughs) all good it's real good. And uh, the last thing, I know you had nothing to do with the record because you weren't in Def Leppard yet, but today was the, is the 35th anniversary of the release of Hysteria. And I'm wondering, of course, you weren't in the band, but were you a fan and was Hysteria a record you liked when you first heard it? Oh, I, I was a huge fan. I was always a Def Leppard fan from like way back. I remember buying the Wasted 7-inch single. Um, I remember having the first album, I remember buying the second album, so on and so forth. But um, when Hysteria came out, I actually bought it on cassette first because I didn't have a CD player. Uh, and I actually wore out the cassette pretty much. I was listening to it that much. But it was also one of the very, very first CDs that I ever bought. So, um, you know, it really kind of was a record for that digital CD era, you know, where you could really kind of get into high fidelity and listen to the different you know, layers of guitar. At first, it was a little shocking to me. I remember hearing it the first time and thinking, hang on, the guitars are very minimal here. They're very light, you know, but it it wasn't that it was lacking in guitar parts. It was just there were so many different parts that they had to obviously be be very specific about guitar tones and stuff. Uh, It wasn't certainly your traditional hard rock record, but I think everyone's aware of that by now. Yeah, I mean, I was a Leopard fan from day one. I was there, went on through the night, came out, and was their first record. And I'll be honest, and I've talked about it before, I was very thrown by Hysteria. Uh, Being a guy that was way more into the high and dry, on through the night, even Pyromania era. And Joe has talked about this before, which I always found amazing. Joe would always tell me that Def Leppard, 
in America, pyromania was massive, but he said outside of America, they didn't break till hysteria, which I couldn't believe. But as, as a guy that uh, was on Leopard from the beginning and saw them on the High and Dry tour, when it, get, when it got to hysteria, I'm like, mm, they may have gone too far as far as production <laughs> and layering. It didn't have that same bite to me. Of course, it's gone on to be one of the biggest records ever. I get all that. But if I think if I think it, it, what lens you view it through is a little different. If you got into the band because of that record, that's one thing. But if you were there mm-hmm. from the beginning, like you and I were, I think people look at it a little differently. Sure, absolutely. But, you know, you've also got to allow artists and bands room to grow you know and it was it was kind of courageous i mean you could see what was happening with leopard starting with pyromania you know and the electronic drums and whatnot and the big vocals so it was definitely heading in that direction um i don't think a lot of bands would have had the 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 temerity to try that you know um obviously it was a, a combination of def leopard and mutt wang that did it you know with much expertise and vision and and uh, but it was also as much, you know, Def Leppard's openness to that, you know, to embrace it and to try it. And, and it was it was a big risk, but uh, I think it's paid off. Yeah, clearly. And you've played it, obviously, as a member of the band countless times, even playing it in its entirety. Do you enjoy it? You enjoy I do, playing actually, it? yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, there's not a bad song on that record, you know. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, there's a reason why it has been such a landmark record in music history, you know? Um, so it is, it's great to play it and, and to, to actually get inside the songs. It's very informative, you know, just to, to hear the parts, to learn the parts, to see how they work together. And, and then the whole vocal aspect of it, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. The vocal stuff is amazing. What you guys do. I was watching you at the whiskey, do your warm ups before you came out. And I'm like, you know, you're, you guys are so dialed in and so good at that, that, and it makes me crazy when people say this, you, you put so much work into the vocal part that people actually think it's not real. And I'm like, yeah. that's actually a good backhanded compliment because I know it is real and it's friggin' amazing yeah. that it's real. No, that's true. I mean, we definitely work very hard at it and yeah, it is a backhanded compliment, but we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, man, I appreciate the time. I know you're busy. I know you're getting ready to go out on the next leg of this uh, stadium tour this weekend. I hope to catch a show soon. I'm looking at maybe maybe the last date in Vegas, but I'll, I hope to see you out there soon. And uh, say hello to the guys, and uh, best of luck with the Last in Line stuff, too. I played it on my show on Monday. We'll keep getting the word out about that because, you know, I love that band also, and I hope to see you with them as well. So uh, thanks for the okay. time, man, and, and stay healthy, okay? And don't get any... Any more car wrecks with that racing thing? Well, I'll try not. Yeah, you don't win races if you wrap around a tree, you know. So. <laughs> you don't win in life if you wrap around a tree, Viv. Yeah, yeah, I got to avoid that moving forward. All right, thanks, Eddie. Lovely to talk to you again. All right, you, you too, man. Sure. Take care. All right, bye bye. Great to visit with Vivian. A lot of good stuff in that interview. Hope you enjoyed it. Stadium tour getting ready to wrap up for Def Leppard. Vivian just announced a bunch of new dates with that band last in line that he has on the side of Leopard. So get ready to see them. If you get a chance to see them, be sure to do so. Really, really good band. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around with nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. 
Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. All right, coming up uh, right now, a second interview for you on this extended play edition this week of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. A little extra content for you as we get ready to go into a long Labor Day weekend. And I've got a second interview this week with a total icon, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. Here's that conversation. Billy, how are you, buddy? Man, E.T., we felt any better, we'd be twins. So good to hear you, boys. <laughs> You too. It's good to see you. Last month, uh, you and I were part of a private event in Austin. It was a hot one, but we had a good time out there with Sammy Hagar and the guys. That was so fine. Uh, yes, you're right. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's been quite uh, quite on the blistering side this summer. It's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. We like to keep things hot, you know. Yeah, no doubt. So you've been out there for a little bit with ZZ Top, and I know you've got more dates coming up through August and into September. How, how have the dates been going? How have the shows been for you so far? Really cool. Uh, I, I say that when it's been uh, outdoors and uh, in the heat, uh, we try and bring a little bit of that ZZ Top cool with us, and uh, it's always about the party, and uh, that's the way it's been going. We're we're going to I think we, you're right. We we march right on through September with some very interesting dates coming up. Oh, starting back in Texas with Jeff Beck joining us. I saw that. I saw that listed, and I said, "My gosh, what an evening of guitar playing is that going to be between you and Jeff Beck on the same stage in the same night?" Uh, Billy, what's your history with Jeff? I mean, like, you know, Jeff is obviously a very different style, I think, guitar player than you are, but both of you guys are rightfully considered a couple of the all-time greats. Do you have a lot of history working with him? Oh, yeah. This goes back to, believe it or not, three ZZ Top. Um, I was fronting uh, our little outfit uh, called The Moving Sidewalks, and uh, we had just wrapped up a tour with Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix Experience hired us to uh, hit the road with him. And uh, no sooner had we uh, decided to catch our breath, we were uh, joined up with uh, another further interesting road show, which included the Yardbirds. And uh, it, was, it was right at the transition when Jeff was, was starting with, uh, the Jeff Beck group featuring uh, Rod Stewart, of course, on vocals and Ronnie Wood on bass. It was such a great lineup. So, yeah, Jeff and I have had uh, quite a bit of history since the late 60s. So I was going to ask you, it was so at the time, Jeff Beck was in the Yardbirds. It wasn't the Jimmy Page lineup. Correct. It was uh, got, uh, Eric Clapton had come and gone, Jimmy Page, and... Uh, Although, if you recall, uh, the famous film uh, Blow Up, which featured a scene showcasing the Yardbirds doing uh, their great version of Train Kept a Rolling, mm -hmm. and the uh, lineup included both Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page uh, on the same stage. It was uh, <laughs> really fantastic. Well, and have you toured much recently with Jeff? Has ZZ Top and Jeff gone out and have you done stuff a lot over the decades? Or is this really uh, something that's been a, a while in, in the making? 
Oh, yeah. In fact, I was able to speak with Jeff just yesterday. Uh, they've wrapped up uh, their run through Europe. They had quite a successful uh, tour across uh, across Europe, and uh, we've had a we had a we had a few laps of uh, designing a couple of uh, new numbers uh, that we can uh, add to the show, which would allow Jeff to uh, join the ZZ Top stage. Uh, that ought to make for some real fireworks. I'm I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because that would be the no-brainer if uh, if Jeff walked out with ZZ Top and for at least a few songs you you were no longer a trio and you had Jeff Beck, you and Jeff out there together, man, that'll be unbelievable to see. So you guys are sounds like you're working that up already, huh? Oh yeah, Fast and Furious. Uh, one of the songs that uh, we've we've come to enjoy playing together, uh, and this goes back recently. Um, Oh, before the curtain dropped, uh, ZZ Top and Jeff Beck had teamed up, and uh, we did a string of dates together. And one of the songs that uh, unfolded came from a rather unexpected presentation that showed up on YouTube. And uh, I had called Jeff, and I said, Jeff, I, I don't remember playing the old uh, the old country song by Tennessee Ernie Ford. And he goes, well, yeah, which one was that? And I said, oh, it's a famous uh, song. It's, it's quite old, 16 tons. He said, 16 tons, and, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt? I said, yeah. And he said, uh, I don't think we played that. And I said, well, it's on YouTube. <laughs> and sure enough, he called back and he said, well, well, somebody's been uh, rather clever in putting together some uh, – video footage and kind of making this up but i, I kind of like the way it goes and from that uh, we learned it and we'll be uh, we'll be keeping that in uh, tucked in our back pocket uh, get ready for a version of 16 times wow now we should met now the shows i also know that you've got uh ann wilson of heart who's still a powerhouse singer also on this bill but just for clarity billy are the shows with jeff beck I see some on your website listed in Texas. Are those, are, is it just the Texas dates or the whole remainder of the tour is going to have Jeff on it? Well, the popularity of the three Texas states that were advertised uh, sold out in minutes and it prompted uh, some promoters to get rather industrious. We've added, uh, there's a show outside of Nashville now followed with uh, another couple of shows down South uh, things are picking up steam, and we we <laughs> we all couldn't be happier. Jeff's delighted, and uh, you know our camp is uh, quite excited. It's going to be quite quite a blast, as I said. The fireworks will fire. Yeah, that is awesome. I'd love to see one of those. Uh, everybody can find all the ZZ Top dates at zztop.com. Uh, Billy, you also have a very cool record out with ZZ Top right now called Raw. And it's very uh, appropriately titled. And I was listening to some of it earlier. And uh, I, I love what this is. And I know it originated from the fantastic documentary on the band, which came out a couple of years ago. Tell the audience, if you will, uh, about the origins of Raw and recording it and where you did it and how you did it. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's appropriately titled Raw. Uh, we had received a phone call from our director who was uh, uh, 
unfolding and peeling the onion, working on this documentary, that little old band from Texas. And he said, say, he said, if you don't mind, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be too upset if you guys would consider posing in a setting uh, that would kind of reflect the way you guys started off way in the early days. And I said, oh, gee, I said, uh, you may be in luck. We've, we've got a break. You got anything in mind? He said, yes. He said, there's a, uh, an, an age-old honky-tonk outside of San Antonio. And I said, you must be talking about Green Hall. He said, yep. And I said, oh, we've been uh, we've been there m- many times. And uh, we all got set. We thought, uh, gee whiz, we'll, we'll show up at Green Hall, stand in front of the building, let him take a few snapshots, and that'll be it. Well, upon arrival, we uh, walked inside, and the wires had gotten crossed, and our road crew thought, they were, had been instructed to set up the entire stage of guitars, drums, amplifiers, microphones, the works. And uh, we kind of shrugged our shoulders, and I said, well, listen, while the camera crew began assembling their uh, equipment, getting the room ready, I said, we ought to just pick up the, uh, the gear and have a go at it and fall into the beat. And I guess the best news of this story is the engineers had also set up and were prepared to uh, get the tape machines rolling, unbeknownst to us. And I guess it was about, oh, about six months ago, the engineers called me and they said, by the way, what do you want us to do with these uh, with these tapes? And I said, what tapes are you speaking of? And they said, oh, yeah, that's right. You guys didn't know it uh, when when the green hall uh, session was unfolding, uh, we were able to, we were able to record your guys jam session. <laughs> and, uh, there you have it. We listened to the tapes and said, gosh, this is, this is as about as, this is about as realistic as an early, uh, easy top session as you could ask for. So, uh, there you have it. It was quite a surprise. It was uh, unplanned, but there you get the real deal. I got to tell you, I loved it because it's so stripped down and obviously the visual of it in the film, when people have seen it, the three of you guys in that circle, in that room, looking at each other and just playing, seeing it, it sounds so good. But obviously in the movie, they're not going to be able to cover everything that you got that you did that day. So having this document of, of 12 songs, all ZZ Top classics done in that style I mean, I just love the way it sounds. It is so raw. It is so stripped down. And it's the essence of the band, just guitar, bass, drums, vocal, and there it is. And I really loved that take on some of the stuff when, you know, synths and stuff started getting into your music with legs and the Eliminator period, which we all know was massively successful. But hearing stuff like legs and give me all your love and stripped down like that, played like that, I thought was so cool. Yeah, man. Uh, we had a girlfriend uh, uh, review the song titles, and she said, gee whiz, uh, she said, uh, I see a lot of this stuff just uh, goes way back even to uh, your your first, uh, first records when you were recording in the 70s. She said, but when I, when I played it, she said, I really got the feeling I was listening to when ZZ Top first started. I said, well, that's about the way it is. It was uh, three guys 
playing a famous three chord, standing within the arm's reach of each other. It was uh, it was a grand uh, return to the early days, Ed. And the opening track on the record is Brown Sugar. When people first look at that, they would think, oh, they're opening with the Stones cover. But no, that's actually a ZZ Top song from the very first record, which actually, correct me if I'm wrong, it predates the Stones song. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, <laughs> we've, uh, you know, through the years, uh, our friendship with the Rolling Stones continues on to this day. And Every so often, we'll make a reflection on uh, this this unexpected collision, having uh, two very different songs with the same title. But uh, they do theirs, we do ours, and uh, we we both uh, still seem to enjoy uh, going back to those uh, those early moments. It's it's kind of cool. Billy, was the entire your entire performance the the audio? Of course, is on this album raw, which is available on CD, vinyl, streaming, any way you want to get it. But did did Sam and the crew who did the documentary, did they roll on all of these songs? Is there also video of everything that's on the record? Oh, yeah. Everything was... Uh, uh, in fact, once we started, we we uh, we didn't realize that the, the camera guys had actually been been set up and they were still fussing about the room. And uh, we, I guess the the good news is, is that there was no red light fever, not realizing that we were being recorded both uh, visually and uh, through the audio. We just started uh, slamming through the numbers, having a big old time. And uh, I guess after about two hours, we finally uh, shrugged our shoulders. We looked over and said, uh, hey, Sam, I said, uh, w- w- when are you going to take that snapshot? He goes, Hey man, we're just enjoying hearing you guys play. Uh, keep it going. <laughs> so it's all there, man. Uh, I, do you, Do you think there'd be any plans to release a video companion to the record at some point if they could edit up that footage? We've talked about it. In fact, uh, uh, the the talents of uh, of that film crew are such that uh, we we really admire the way they went about doing their, their thing. And, uh, that discussion is continuing to unfold. It wouldn't surprise me to see it, uh, come out as a, as a companion, um, just, just to actually stand there in the room as the cameras were doing, uh, you'll get it, uh, front row seat. <laughs> yeah. That would be really cool. If something like that were able to, to come together. Cause you know, it's so cool to see a band, any band perform and play like that and to have it recorded and captured more and more. I have bands on this show that will tell me that they've made a new record and they were never ever in the same room or in the same country together or people who have done spots on records. They never even met the person, which I understand with technology that's doable today, but I don't, I'm not a musician, but to me, I, I would think that there's some, there, there is some great benefit and and vibe that you get from being in the room across from the people you're you're making music with. Oh yes, indeed, uh, you're right on it. Uh, the magic of uh, just having eye contact, and uh, many times it's the uh, it's that mystery uh, element that uh, makes lightning strike. And I gotta say, is uh, 
as relaxed and nonchalant as uh, we seem to have been uh, during that moment, uh, we hit a we hit a pretty good uh, pretty good lick. The the versions, of course, uh, stray away from the original recordings uh, as far as the arrangements. Uh, we were kind of taking it what we call taking it to the Bahamas and back. <laughs> so you get uh, you get some familiarity mixed in with something uh, something something new what was old is now new again yeah yeah no doubt uh i wanted to ask you too you know as i watched the documentary and for people who haven't seen the doc it's been out for a couple years i guess now and and i can't recommend it more highly and i know sam and his crew there and they do great work they've done a bunch of metal stuff and they're doing they did that zz top your zz top doc great stuff that they've done but when I look at it, I look at the origins of the band and the early years that are covered in that documentary. Here we are, more than 50 years into your career. Did did you ever envision when you started out carving out a, a career like this where you would still be in 2022 out there touring and talking about this music you've made? Just, uh, uh, to be quite honest, uh, the answer would be uh, unlikely, I think. Uh, in the beginning, uh, like so many of our constituents, we wanted to flirt with the girls and get free beer. That, that was about the, the extent of, of our thinking. Well, you can still, well, you're, I know you're a happily married man, but you can still flirt with the girls, and I'm sure you'll get plenty of free beer if you want it, you know, these days. That's probably way easier now than it was 50 years ago, right, Billy? Oh, yeah, indeed. Oh, man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you go to a CZ Top show, and uh, here we are five decades into this craziness, and uh, we're still all about, you know, bringing, uh, bringing the party out uh, from, from night to night. It's, it's, it's really all about, it's still about having a good time, and uh, that really hasn't changed. Uh, I, I think back uh, when we first heard... Uh, some of the recordings flying out over the radio, uh, it was it was quite surprising, and yet uh, it really hasn't changed the way we approach things. It's uh, again, it's about having that good time, you know. No doubt. Hey, a couple more quick things, and I'll let you run. I wanted to ask you, how has it been for ZZ Top, who for almost for fifty years had and one was one of the few bands that had the same original three guys. And then tragically we lost dusty uh, just over a year ago, actually. And Elwood came in and has been taking that spot there on base. How has that whole transition been for you? There were a lot of people that were surprised at how quickly you were able to transition to Elwood. Can you talk about that whole uh, period of, of losing dusty uh, getting Elwood in? You had told me I had texted you condolences the day it happened. And you said that this is exactly what dusty had wanted. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, Billy? Oh yeah. Uh, it's been a cool transition. In fact, Elwood being, I guess you could consider a guy that's been with us for over three decades, pretty much family. Uh, he knew the songs, he knew the, uh, the arrangements, uh, he knew the moves, uh, the work. And, uh, then he said, listen, he said, uh, you know, if I'm late coming back, uh, you might uh, get hand, hand the guitar to Elwood. Uh, he's our guy. And uh, 
I guess the real irony here is uh, during this uh, period, everybody staying at home. We never knew Elwood to be other than uh, the guy that uh, showed up when we when we first uh, laid eyes on the fella. Uh, he was hired as the guitar technician. Avocado sandwich in one hand, skateboard in the other, clean shaven guy with a mohawk hairdo. Uh, we know we never knew he had whisker one, and yet uh, when we got back together to rehearse and get ready to go out on tour, I said, who's the new guy? And they said, which one? I said, that guy over in the corner with the beard longer than mine. They said, that's Elwood. I said, no, no. I said, that guy with the beard. He said, believe it or not, that's your man Elwood. So uh, not only is he a great player with his uh, raucous antics, uh, the way he had attacks the, uh, the guitar, uh, he, fit, uh, he slipped right in. I think uh, Dusty showed us a, a sliver of his wisdom that went far beyond what we ever anticipated when he said, hand the guitar to Elwood. So here we are. Uh, Elwood stepped up and uh, accepted the position, and it's, uh, it's straight ahead. Uh, it's kind of great uh, knowing that, that in spirit Dusty is uh, – kind of leading the charge here. But what you're telling me then is that Elwood, who had always been a clean-shaven guy in his life, when this happened, he very rapidly, without even you guys asking, grew a beard? That is correct. In fact, he was uh, he was going to he was going to go in and uh, return to his uh, whether well-groomed appearance. It was our Billy Bob Thornton uh, showed up. We were out in California rehearsing this show, and he said, "Hey," he said, "By the way, I heard that Elwood grew a beard. Don't let him shave until I get a snapshot." And uh, we caught Elwood just in time. He said, "We said, don't, don't shave. Our buddy Billy Bob wants to get a snapshot." So uh, the next thing you know, uh, it's it's now uh, Elwood stepped in with. Uh, He's, he's part of the team in, in more ways than one. <laughs> that is amazing. And, you know, speaking of beards, and I know there's a lot made of that with ZZ Top, but I got I was thinking about this the other day when I saw you a, a few weeks ago in Texas, and I was talking to some friends about it while you were playing. You, you without a doubt, are one of the most recognizable people in, in music, without a doubt. I mean, I imagine it'd be unbelievably difficult for you to even go get a carton of milk or go to the mall because you are Billy Gibbons, you, you the beard, the the whole look. Have you ever thought, have you ever been tempted or has there ever been times where you have shaved the beard? Because if you did, it would be the complete opposite. Nobody would know who the hell you are. So you could have total anonymity <laughs> if you shaved that. Uh, did you ever entertain that, or did you ever do that? And like at, with, during some downtime, I'm going to take this thing off, and then I can be anybody and never get stopped. Yeah, it uh, it crossed our mind more than once. Uh, I remember at one point, uh, Dusty and I were tiptoeing through. Uh, we had a day off. We were tiptoeing through a shopping mall somewhere, and uh, and Frank was uh, a few steps ahead of us, and Dusty said, "Damn," he said, uh, "We can't seem to go." Ten feet without somebody uh, uh, asking for an autograph or a photograph, he said. And look at Mr. Beard, the man with no beard. He he, he falls in line and uh, never gets uh, 
never gets harassed. The, the, so, yes, to answer your question, uh, uh, it, it's, it's crossed our minds a few times, but uh, I think what started off as a disguise has now become uh, kind of a trademark. I think we're stuck with it. <laughs> well, it's without a doubt a trademark, and it would probably take you some time to grow it back, but – Man, if I was you and I had like a year off, I'd take that thing off and I would just get enjoy being totally anonymous because nobody I I know you and I probably wouldn't even recognize you without it. So it's you have that like during COVID when everybody was running around with masks, I said to myself and I said on the air, like for super famous people, actors, musicians, what have you, the ma- the the mandatory mask thing when it was in place was probably the best thing that ever happened to them because they probably got to do things they could never do before without being bothered. Throw a baseball hat on, you got the mask, everyone's wearing it. But for you, even with the mask, that beard's coming out the bottom. That's going to be Billy Gibbons. <laughs> yeah, we had, yeah, we <laughs> we hoped we were going to get a respite from uh, the rigors of the road, and, and uh, it didn't take us uh, – a couple of trips out, I said, "Yeah, big. This mask thing ain't working." So we <laughs> we just we we threw them away and kept on working. <laughs> hey, real quick, tell me about Trace Ombre's whiskey. Is that something new? It is. Uh, there's an outfit, a distillery down in Texas, and uh, we were approached uh, by a couple of the uh, oh the scientists that uh, were. Uh, hiding back in the back room, and they had uh, dreamed up a couple of uh, uh, distillation processes that uh, they thought uh, had made a uh, a flavor and an offering from uh, their standpoint. They said, "Gee whiz, uh, this is uh, this is a little bit of a different taste, but we think it's it says the word Texas." And uh, they said. What if we got ZZ Top to uh, sprinkle holy water on it? And uh, we gave it a sample, and sure enough, it was uh, quite appealing. So uh, you can go to your favorite uh, uh, place of spirits and uh, grab a bottle of uh, ZZ Top's Trace Ombre's whiskey. It's uh, it's pretty tasty. In fact, there's actually a, a new flavor will be hitting the shelf soon, and... Uh, uh, as soon as we get the word, I'll uh, I'll give you a shout and we can uh, share it with the folks. Yeah, yep, I'd love to taste some too. Maybe next time uh, I see you somewhere, you got some backstage or whatever. I'd love to try it. And and lastly, I'm looking through your tour dates, and we talked about the dates you have coming up. Which again, uh, the the shows resume tomorrow. Actually, there's a there's a date uh, tomorrow is in Greensboro, North Carolina. Just go to zztop.com, find your date. But I noticed that in December, early December, you've got a residency run in what now is my second home where I, uh, is of Las Vegas. I understand you live there as well. So that's going to be nice to play the Venetian. You're going to get to go home to your home, your own bed there, right? Oh, yeah. We're, we're just uh, a few minutes walking from uh, the stage. Uh, it makes it uh, quite convenient Uh and at the same time, uh, we, we actually get to feel human. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have a, not only do I have a home there now, but I have a little studio there in the home where I do 
live shows. This show live from there when I'm there, and I've had everybody over because so many rock guys are living in Vegas now. Geezer Butler was over, Steve Stevens was over. All these guys have come over and done the show. So I'm gonna when we get towards around that time, I'm gonna hit you up because it would be great if while you're there, maybe before the residency starts, uh, you, you could come with do have you come sit in do a whole show. It's probably ten minutes from you. Yeah, well, when you and I, if you remember, when you and I collided uh, uh, for that uh, unusual show together down in Texas, I brought back the word, and uh, Elwood and uh, Frank Beard, our man with no beard, they said, gee whiz, ask Mr. Trunk if that studio would uh, allow the three of us creatures to creep in, and, uh, you know, we could probably light the fuse and... uh, and give you a few more uh, live and uh, kind of unplanned versions of some TV top material. We, we should do this. <laughs> well, that would be, I mean, if we're talking about doing something like that, then we can actually get a proper studio and do it. But if the three of you just want to come and sit and talk, we can easily do that at my studio there. It's not really equipped for a live performance, but to sit and talk, we can do that easily if you're talking about wanting to play, we could definitely look to setting that up and making a big special out of it. So I'm going to uh, put that on the radar of my people here at Sirius XM. And now that we got a little time, because you don't hit there till early December, we should see if we could put all that together. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. As I mentioned, we're so close to the house. You could come over. we got a nice studio uh, on property. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, possibilities. Of course, we're going to have to keep Elwood and Frank away from the dice table. Uh, <laughs> that's another challenge. But I think uh, I think if we uh, if we would put the carrot at the end of the stick and tell them that uh, we've got a chance to work with you, no problem. <laughs> we'll uh, that sounds that sounds like a plan. We'll start putting our heads together on that because uh, December will be here before you know it. But it'd be great to make something cool like that happen, and then that'll. Let you guys roll right into that residency right now. Five nights at the Venetian in Vegas starting on December 3rd. Again, all the dates are on ZZTop.com. Billy, always great to talk to you. It was great to see you a few weeks ago, and I hope to catch one of these shows even before Vegas. And uh, you need anything, you know where to get me, bud. Thank you so much for the time. You got it, man. And uh, in the meantime, uh, grab some uh, tacos wherever you can. And uh, We'll keep it fast and furious on the stage, and uh, we'll keep things tuned up. And uh, look forward to catching you. Thanks, man. For sure, yep. And I'll keep an eye on your dates. If I'm in Vegas and you're not on the road, I'll hit you up. You got it, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Billy. Take care. Well, Billy Gibbons and ZZ Top with that raw record out, currently out on tour. The documentary's out there as well. A lot of good stuff. Chatting with Billy in that interview. Hope you enjoyed it. And I thank both Billy Gibbons and Vivian Campbell for joining me on the podcast this week. Again, those interviews that you just heard happen live on Trunk Nation, my daily Sirius XM radio show, which is heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. New channel, Faction Talk, Sirius XM channel 103. And of course, anything you want, audio, video, more on the Sirius XM app. Speaking of video, just did a big special with Megadeth for their new album. Two-hour special, audio and video now on the app. Be sure to check it out if you're a Sirius XM subscriber. Hope everybody has a fantastic Labor Day weekend in the U.S. Uh, enjoy your three-day weekend. If you happen to be attending Rocklahoma outside of Tulsa, I'll see you there this weekend as I host once again. 
And I'll see you here next Thursday for another podcast and hopefully catch you on the radio every day on Faction Talk 103. At Eddie Trunk on social media. Thanks for listening. See you next Thursday. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.